Good morning, NBC. Hopefully you guys are still meditating on Passion Week as we come uh, together this morning, Lord, uh, I mean, uh, God, family. <clears throat> Before I pray, I just want to let you guys know why I'm on Facebook Live right now. We did a message last night, a Good Friday service, which was, uh, I think it went well. It was pretty cool because we got, we had a chance on the webcast to not only hear a message, I preached a 20-minute sermon on Isaiah 53, but also it gave us a chance to, to fellowship, right? There's a lot of people on there. Um, we had some technical, little technical dif difficulties in the beginning, but uh, by God's grace, we're able to fellowship, see one another's faces, and that, that was a blessing, amen? But I know a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but some people had trouble getting on the... Uh, the webcast. So that's why I wanted to preach this sermon. The sermon that I preached last night, uh, I want to preach it this morning so we can have it on live and we can put it up on Metro on the, uh, the website. So this is a sermon from Isaiah 53. So it's Isaiah 53, 1 through 6, and I'm also going to hit on 10 and 11. Amen? So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, so much for technology, Lord. We thank you that we have this opportunity to still uh, fellowship together online, be able to see one another and worship you, encourage one another, God. And we thank you, Father, for that we're able to continue to preach your word, Lord. We know that your word is true. We know that your word is the, our solid foundation for everything. and It encourages us to see your your promises, and uh, even see here uh, the truth about what your son did on the cross for us. A prophecy, God, that you preserved that was written 700, around 700 years before your son came. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would pierce our hearts and encourage us this morning, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, church, the theme of the message this morning, so you can take out your Bibles if you like. It's Isaiah 53, and what I'm going to do... The theme is, Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. God saves. That's the theme. And what I'm going to do, it's going to be a little different than what we usually do. I'm not going to read the passage and then go in and preach it. I'm going to read it as I'm going along. As I'm preaching, I'm going to read it so hopefully we can follow along together and kind of go verse by verse with this uh, glorious message of Isaiah 53. So again, theme of the sermon Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. God saves. So let's look at verse 1 and 2. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. So church, the Messiah that Isaiah was prophesying about here, grew up before the people of God. Amen? Like a young plant, like, like a, a root out of dry ground, church. So even today, if you go to Israel, you will hear there are two seasons. There's two seasons during the year in which the rain comes. They call it the former rains and the latter rains. So you got the rain in spring, and you have the rain in fall. And the rest of the year, the land's barren and dry. So Isaiah's saying, I'm looking at a dry land, but in the middle of it, I see a spring, 
a sprout, amen, a sprout that's coming forth from this ground, from this dry and barren ground. Church, he's talking about the condition of the world here. It's dry. The soil's compacted. The dirt is dead. Hearts are lifeless. People are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. It's as verse 6a says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. A sprout that is coming forth from the ground, church. But a day will come. Amen? A day will come in the fullness of time when God will bring his servant, his suffering servant, to life in the midst of this dry and dead nation. The Bible says in Galatians 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. What does John 3.16 say, church? John 3.16 tells us God loved, amen, the world and gave the world his one and only son. Then we look at verse 2 here in Isaiah, verse 2b. Remember, this was written 700 years before the Messiah came on the scene. 2b says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. So church, Isaiah is saying, there's nothing pretty about this dry sprout coming out of the ground. There was nothing special about Jesus when people first looked at him. Right? He didn't have a halo over his head. Right? That we see, I know I've seen that growing up with the pictures. Or a face like um, a Swedish male model. As we see in many, many photos. Just like a dry sprout, church, has nothing about it in its form that would make it before, make it appear before our eyes as beautiful. This future suffering servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, had no beauty that we should desire him. Let's go on to verse 3. He was despised. Verse 3 says, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Church, Jesus was crushed, crushed for our iniquities. But God saves. Right? This reminds me right here of the Gospel of John. John says he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Our Lord, church, was despised, rejected, grieved. Men hid their faces from him. Men hid their faces from the Lord of glory, right? Church, this is speaking of an ultimate snub, right? They, they persistently avoided who he was, rejected him, shunned him. The Lord of glory, the King of kings, the one who Colossians says is the image of the invisible God. Amen? We see that in Colossians, in the Word of God, in the New Testament. God was rejected and despised. The God-man, the suffering servant, Christ Jesus. This is how sinful we are as human beings, church. Before you get disgusted, though, about the first century haters of God, 
You should be saying to yourself at this moment, before the grace of God, there go I. Amen? Before, before the grace of God, there go I. This was us. Right? If you're a non-Christian, an unbeliever right now, and you're watching this, make no mistake about it. This is you. No one is born a Christian church. Amen? Until you are giving, given a new heart, a new spiritual heart, adopted by God through saving faith, which we learned about last week extensively in the, in the sermon Sunday, what saving faith truly is. Until you are given a new heart, adopted by God, granted saving faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is how you will treat Christ. This is how you treated Christ. This is heavy. This is heavy, church. This is how you treated God. For the Bible says in Romans 3, no one is righteous. No, not one. Right? No one understands. No one does good. No one seeks God. No one has fear of God before their eyes. Church, if, if you were there... <laughs> If you were there 2,000 years ago, without the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, make no mistake about it, you would have spit right in Jesus' face. It's like the singer Crowder says in his song, Forgiven. I'm the one who held the nail. It was cold between my fingertips. I've hidden in the garden. I've denied you with my very lips. Church, Jesus, Jesus Christ was crushed for our iniquities. Church, many of us over the past couple of months have, have, understand, have come to understand uh, at least a little of what suffering is about. Amen? It's been a difficult time for many of us. We have, we have lost people we love. We are groaning in prayer, continuing to come before our God, pleading for Him to, to heal our loved ones. We don't know what the economy has in store for, for us in the future. We don't know when this is going to end, right? It's been tough. It's been tough for many. I love what Paul Washer said, though. He goes, we don't have to know what God's doing at this time, all we have to really know, all, all, all we have to focus on that would give us so much hope, right, is what we find in Scripture to be true about God's character. Amen? We just have to know who God is, right? And we see here, this has been tough. This has been very tough through these times. But in light of our reflection of the cross, right? We need to consider Jesus, church. Amen? You want to talk about suffering? I mean, I don't want to take away the validity of anyone's suffering. That's not my intention here. But all I want to ask you to do is meditate on what Jesus has done for you. And I'm not talking about the physical pain merely, but how about that emotional anguish that he went through starting at the Garden of Gethsemane? 
the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, being taken upon the sins of His people. The eternal Son of God, the purity, the holiness. And He took on sin. You know what, church? No one understands the depths, the, the heights of suffering as our Lord Jesus Christ, including Job, that is. Notice verse 4 and 5 gives us a picture of this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Don't miss this word, surely, here. Right in the beginning of verse 4, church. Pastor Chris has taught us, right, many times, our faithful pastor, that every word in the Bible has meaning, right? So, when, when the prophet says, surely, right, this is certainty that the prophet speaks, right? This is the certainty, the word of God, the revelation of God. In verse 1, the prophet says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, right? These bold words were revealed from the arm of God, church. The sovereign power and might of God, the triune God, who decrees the end from the beginning. So we don't want to miss this word, surely, right? Every word in the Bible is there for a reason. Prophet Isaiah, looking into the future of the cross, says, this will happen. Surely this is going to happen. If it's God's revelation fixed, in the heavens, to his covenant people, this will come to pass. This Messiah has already, from a divine perspective, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Church. Church, it was decreed. Make no mistake about it. It was decreed before the foundation of the world what Christ did for his people on the cross. That all the pain that God's people deserve all the suffering, amen, that is owed to us was transferred to Christ. Amen? Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. God saves. This is Romans 25, church, right? We're going through NBC. We're going through this Roman series, this mentorship series, walking through the book of Romans. This should... Remind us of something. Romans 3.25, where, where Paul writes, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Amen? God presented the Messiah as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. Christ propitiated, right? The ESV says, He propitiated. He took on the Father's wrath of all those who would believe. This is the doctrine of substitutionary atonement, church. The central message of Isaiah 53. Jesus Christ was crushed for our iniquities. Church substitutionary atonement was the central message of the, uh, the whole animal sacrifice, sacrificial system. Right? For sin needed to be dealt with. Sin needed to be dealt with. For God is holy and we are not. And His justice requires Blood. His justice requires 
Death. What does Romans 6.23 say, church? The wages of sin is what? Death. Amen? Death. So again, this was the central message of the, the whole animal sacrificial system, that the blood of the substitute can remove the, the death penalty for sin. Penal substitution depends on God's power to transfer, transfer guilt to an innocent substitute. Amen? This is symbolized in Leviticus. We see this in Leviticus 16. When the high priest, Aaron, he puts his hands on, on the head of an animal, right? In order to put Israel's sins on the goat's head. Amen? So, though this transfer of guilt is mysterious, God claims the right to do it. And without it, make no mistake about it, we have no hope. We have no hope. So here we have the prophet Isaiah heralding, proclaiming through the Bible, through this, this Old Testament revelation, right? And Isaiah, he's proclaiming with boldness to the whole world for all time the way by which a holy God can justify rebellious, wretched, totally depraved sinners and still be just. Amen? A partner to the central theme is the command to receive this eternal sacrifice. To savor this Lamb of God. To cling to this Messiah by grace alone. Through faith alone. Church. Amen? The Apostle Paul made it clear by quoting Isaiah 53 verse 1 in Romans 10. How cool is that, right? In Romans, in the book of Romans, in the New Testament, he quotes Isaiah 53. The Apostle Paul says, in Romans, he says, namely 10.6, chapter 10, verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? That's verse 1, right? Who has believed what he has heard from us? And then Paul follows up with it, an immediate assertion, assertion in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message of Christ. What is heard comes from the message of the Messiah, the suffering servant that we see here, that we read about here in Isaiah 53. Paul spent two and a half chapters, church, in Romans prior to this assertion. Right, way back in chapters one, late one, the second half of one, all the way to three twenty. Right about the depravity of man, right? The depravity of man that all mankind is evil without Christ. And then he shows up with three twenty. The two words, but God, show up in Romans. Amen. And God shows up on the scene with the light of the gospel. He reminds us though. Right here that in 10, chapter 10, that you need to have spiritual ears, amen, to understand this good news, this gospel that was in seed form in the book of Isaiah. Again, this was prophesied 700 years before Christ came on the scene. So God had a purpose, right? The sovereign God had a purpose in the Old Testament, and his purpose was to point to Christ. This is a God-centered gospel, church. Make no mistake about it. 
It's a Christ-exalting, God-centered, Scripture-saturated gospel. This gospel begins with Jesus, and we were crushed. His people were crushed. I mean, He was crushed for our iniquities. We're going to see later. Last night we talked about, we played a song after the sermon where to bring some practical application in from a song from Shane and Shane. And it, and it talks about how God sometimes crushes us. Amen? In His sovereign decree, He allows, decrees us to suffer. Right? But the song talks about that <laughs> He works all things together for His people. He works all things together for good, for His glory and the good of His people during the times of suffering. And I know many of you are going through that right now. So Jesus was crushed. He was crushed for your iniquities, church. If you are trusting in Him alone in salvation. Notice the end of verse 4. In 4, 4b, the Bible says, Smitten by God and afflicted. Did you see that? Smitten by God and afflicted. Then if you go down to verse 10, just make your way, if you could, down to verse 10, please. It says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. In the end, church, from a divine perspective, the one who afflicted Christ, right? The one who bruised and crushed Christ on the tree was not the Jews. It wasn't, it wasn't even a devil, right? It wasn't you. It wasn't me. It wasn't even Pontius Pilate. It was God, the holy, just, loving, and graciously merciful wrath of the Father. Jesus was crushed on the cross for our iniquities. The Father poured out His wrath on His Son. It's like what we see in Acts 4. The sovereignty of God in this gospel. In this, uh, what we see in the cross. The sovereignty of God and man's responsibility. Right? Theologians call it compatibilism. Acts 4 describes it well. Because we know, even though this is true, ultimately it was God. We know that there were evil men, right? That were, that were part of it. By their evil desires. Not as robots. But by their um, volitional, by, by their will, right? They put him on the cross. So Acts 4 says, where Luke writes, When they heard it, meaning they heard from Peter and John, about their imprisonment. Peter and John come back to their friends, to the disciples. He tells them about their imprisonment. And what the chief priests and elders said to them. So when they heard it, they lifted their voice to God and said, For truly in this city there were gathered together Jesus, you gathered together Jesus, whom you anointed. Right? He's talking to God. You anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles in the people of Israel to do, to do, church, whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. I know some people get uncomfortable with this, but this is the Word of God. This is what the Bible says. And you know what? This is so encouraging. That we know that during suffering, right, 
that God is not catching up. The angels aren't coming to him. Hey, hey, God, look what happened. Uh, did you hear about the coronavirus? And God's not playing catch up. He's got to gather the angels together in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And he's trying to, trying to stop this coronavirus. He's not desperate like we are. God is sovereignly in control. Amen? He did, he's not just allowing this. We see here that he decreed it. He decreed it. Make no mistake about it. As my brother Massimo likes to say, the devil is on a leash, right? The devil, Satan, is God's devil. He's on the leash. And the sovereign Lord God is holding that leash. So as verse 10 states, it pleased him. It pleased him to do it. Of course it pleased him, right? Of course it pleased him. Not that he got a kick out of it. Amen? Not, not that the father is uh, getting a kick out of punishing his son. No, that's not what this text, that's not what he's saying. But this act of obedience by Christ, making no mistake, was an act of obedience, right? It was planned to carry out by God in willing agreement through the son, right? Jesus said in 10, John 10, I lay down my life for my sheep. You see that? Talk about sovereignty. I lay down my life for my sheep. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Amen? Isn't that what we're going to be celebrating tomorrow? The resurrection? And then he prayed in John 17, Father, I glorify thee on earth, having accomplished the work which thou gavest me to do. Throw a little King James in there. <laughs> I know a lot of you guys like the King James version. In other words, when Jesus died, he glorified the Father's name, and saved His Father's people. Amen? Church, God was glorified in a magnificent way at the cross. One theologian says it this way, God has been glorified in a tremendous way at the cross where justice and mercy kiss. Amen? Church, Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. God saves. Notice the words of Isaiah where he says, crushed for our. Right? Crushed for our. And then we see, he says, we have all gone astray. Who is the our? And who is the we? That Isaiah is talking about here. Remember, looking at this through a New Testament, a new covenant, through a Jesus-centered lens. That's how we look at the Bible, right? Remember in Luke, Jesus was talking to uh, his followers, and then actually on the road to Emmaus, and he said, the whole Old Testament is about me. Amen? The whole Old Testament is about me. So, who is the we? Who's the hour? Who's the we? He calls them sheep in verse 6, right? What does Jesus say about sheep? Right off the bat, we should be thinking, wait a second, sheep. Jesus used that a lot, right? What does Jesus say? His sheep hear his voice. Amen? His sheep know him. He is the great shepherd guiding and taking care of his sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep. The hour, the we, are the elect church. The saints. Amen? The disciples, the true Christians, right? Who have been loved by God, saved by God, and will be Raised up on the last day by God. Amen? Matthew 1.21 says it this way. And she will bring forth the son. 
And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will save who? Maybe you guys never noticed this. His people. Save his people from their sins. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, His blood is being poured out for who? Every single person in the face of the earth? Hitler? No. His blood is being poured out for many, church. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities, for his sheep's iniquities, for his bride's iniquities. But God saves powerfully, church. Jesus didn't come down to make salvation possible as a weak uh, Lord who's just trying and hoping that somebody would believe in him. He didn't die on the cross for every single person and then just sit back and then technically, uh, philosophically, maybe even theologically, there's a chance that, that nobody would come to him, that everybody would go to hell. No, it's like Jonah says, right? Salvation's of the Lord. Amen? Jesus died for his sheep. He gathers his sheep. If you're a Christian today, he gathered you. He brought you one day out of the world into your kingdom. Amen? Salvation is of the Lord. And this gives us so much hope. This is awesome news, church. If you're a Christian, truly born again, don't miss this. If you are a Christian, truly born again, and you're walking with the Lord, not that you just intellectually believe, right? I talked about that last week. That's not faith. That's a false faith. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe George Washington was first president. That's not faith. But if you're truly trusting in the finished work of Christ, and walking in repentance and faith. Amen? The Messiah Jesus, the suffering servant, came to die for you. He was crushed for your iniquities. As verse 5 states, take a look at uh, 5b. Upon him was the chastisement that brought you peace. And with his wounds... You are healed. Or as one translation states, by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. I love what Dr. Sproul states. Uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul says a remarkable thing here. Powerful statement on this truth in light of uh, this section of Scripture. In light of what happened on Good Friday. He says, look at the back of this man who is God incarnate. As he goes to the cross, as he has been stripped of his clothing and his robe. His back is bare, striped like a zebra. Stripes coming from the lash in the welts that are left there. Whoever thought that anyone would be made whole or healed or anything by being struck by a lash. But by his stripes, our healing is found. Amen? By his stripes, our healing is found. Church, again, if you're a Christian, you are spiritually healed. How much hope does that give you at this time when your body, maybe some of you guys, your body doesn't feel healed, right? But you are spiritually healed. And you know what? You have to remember, I know sometimes you might, it might not feel that way, amen? But you have to remember we're in this already not yet state. The theologians like to call it the Already not yet. So it's a biblical, a theological term that um, is a biblical concept where we are saved. 
you come to Christ, you're saved. But you're also being saved, right? And there will come a day when you will be saved, right? Um, what's another way to put it? We are saved from the position of sin. And then the penalty of sin, the presence of sin. So in the beginning, we're saved from the penalty of sin, right? Once we come to Christ, we are, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But then we're being saved by the, uh, the presence of sin, right? And we are saved, what's the last one? I can't think of that last one, presence position. But I think you get the point that in the end, when God raises us up, the doctrine of glorification, it's called, we will no, ha no longer have a, I'm sorry, I got it. The, the, the middle one was power of sin. As we're growing in Christ, we are being saved from the power of sin, right? So we got the penalty in the beginning. There's no condemnation when you're a Christian, and then you're being saved by the, uh, the power of sin. You start seeing your life change. And in the end, you are saved from the presence of sin. There is no more sin when you see God face to face. Amen? So Romans 4 says it this way. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count sin. Amen? What a glorious truth, church. So Jesus said, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Amen? Now that's the healing that I want, church. I don't know about you, but that is the healing that I desire above all. Sure, God might, make, might grant healing today. Don't hear me wrong, wrongly here. God still heals, right? God's the same yesterday, today as He was yesterday. Amen? But, I mean, we've heard many testimonies, right? We've seen, you guys who are part of NBC, you've heard, you've seen testimonies of healing, right? We've seen healing. We have testimonies already with the coronavirus. Many of our brothers and sisters who had it, God has used the doctors, medication as a means of grace. I mean, as not a means of grace, but as a means uh, to bring about His purpose in the healing. We, we were praying now for our beloved pastor, to be healed. Amen? So we do pray for that. But, I do want to say this. <laughs> there is a greater healing that God's people have that we can look to. Amen? We have a greater hope, right? And that is that ultimate healing, that spiritual healing, eternal life. Amen? Declare righteous before a holy God, sins forgiven, Seeing God clearly as the curse of sin and death is one day finally removed. Amen? So Jesus doesn't just bear our sins. One more thing that I want to talk about in relation to this is Jesus doesn't just bear our sins, right? And provide, uh, but he also provides a perfect obedience. That's very important. I think a lot of times we forget that. We always talk about Jesus died for me, right? But he also lived for you. Church, if Jesus just bore your sins, he took, a, took on your sins, the Father just poured out his wrath on him, you're forgiven, right? That would just make you innocent. But that, that would just bring you back to Adam, right? That would just bring you back to Adam's state. 
right? And that wasn't enough for him to live in peace with God for all eternity, amen? Adam needed, church. Moses needed, right? We see through the, we walked through Genesis last year. Moses needed, Abraham needed, right? Paul needed. We all need a righteous and perfect life to satisfy God's standard. The Bible says be perfect, for your heavenly Father's perfect. God's the standard, church. The Bible says be perfect. Some translation says be holy, for your heavenly Father is holy. And uh, pastors taught me that a good translation, that in the original it's to be complete, right? Be complete. Your heavenly Father is complete. The fullness of who we were supposed to be when we were made in the image of God. Another way to say it is be like Jesus, right? He's the perfect image of the image of God. So Christ came not just to die the death we deserve, but to live the life that we failed, church. So notice verses 11. Isaiah gives us the full good news of this in verse 11. Out of anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. There it is, right? The suffering servant of God, church. The Christ Jesus the, was the only righteous one who's ever lived, it says, right? And by the cross, by his death, he made many, not everybody, many to be accounted righteous. Right? That's the perfect life he lived. And he shall bear their iniquities. That is the death we deserve. You see that? He shall bear their iniquities. Full gospel, church. Church, look at the hope here. Look at the hope here in Tembe. Yes, Jesus suffered on Good Friday. Amen? 2,000 years ago, he bore all the sins of his people. Past, present, and future. The most horrific act in history. The sinless Son of God. The only man who has ever been without sin. The only man that we can truly say was innocent. And he was punished on a Roman cross. Punished for sins he didn't commit. But, what's also part of this truth, this, this, this glorious truth, is that this weekend is filled with so much hope. Amen? So much hope that the world will never experience. But we can celebrate. Right? Start to, the, the light is shining in, right? Tomorrow, resurrection day. Right? Right now, we can just meditate that he died on Friday and he's in the tomb. Right? It's a quiet time. Imagine the disciples. They're, they're, they're depressed. They're like, what is going on? This Messiah, this king, he really was crucified. We know how it ends. We know that Christ, the suffering servant, is also, that lamb is also the lion of Judah. Amen? So we also see here that Isaiah can say in that passage that I was just walking through where he says, when his soul makes, when his soul makes an offering for guilt, right? Same way as saying Jesus was crushed for our iniquities, he made an offering for guilt. Right? John said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He saw an offspring. You see that? He saw an offspring. The king saw his 
beautiful, redeemed bride, church. Verse 10 also says, He shall prolong His days. Our days have been prolonged, church. We have eternal life. As born-again believers, we will never be separated from God ever again. Amen? And as a result, as 10b states, the will of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. This is at the heart of what Hebrews, there's a book in the New Testament called Hebrews. This is at the heart of what Hebrews 12.2 is saying, I believe it says, when God tells us, fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen? Fix your eyes on Christ. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy, don't miss this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? This is the promise. One day we will see all this suffering we're going through right now. And like Jesus, like the suffering servant, we will be satisfied. How can we be satisfied after going through so much pain? Right? Some of you guys might be asking, how can we be satisfied? Well, why was Jesus satisfied? What gave him hope as he endured the cross? God's purposes. Jesus saw the value of his work in light of the sovereign redemptive plan that we read about in his word. Amen? That is being carried out. He knew it was worth it. What have we sung at NBC many times in the past? As a church body, is anyone worthy? Right? Chris Tomlin. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open this scroll? Church, during the midst of this corona pandemic, even now, the suffering servant, Messiah Jesus, he is worthy. Amen? He is worthy. Church, over 2,000 years ago, on this Good Friday that we celebrated, meditated on, mourned over even, Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. God saves. Let me just pray quickly and then we'll go. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this passage in Scripture that you have given us last night and this morning, Lord. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, we need you to minister to us. Help us to just stir our hearts, encourage us to, to truly enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Help us see the glory of the cross. Help us anticipate what we will be celebrating tomorrow, what you did, and how your son, your only son, defeated death, defeated Satan. We love you, God. We praise your name, God. We just pray, Father, that you will continue to work in this church and your name will be exalted throughout the world and help us, God, as a church. Continue to pray for our loved ones. Continue to plead and even repent if needed, God. We love you, God. We praise your name.
We pray this prayer in Jesus' powerful and beautiful name. Amen. God bless, church. To God be the glory.